Amen. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, it was cold and rainy today, so I imagine it was a little, uh, little sleepy. Nice to see you guys. Hey, I want to tell you something really cool before we jump in tonight. The first thing is, you probably don't know this, uh, no matter where you're watching this, we have a, a pretty, like, odd number of like new people that join us every single week. Like just first time people that kind of just roll in all over the state. So can you do me a favor? Can we like put our hands together and just say welcome and clap for them? Say thank you. We're glad you're here. I want to just let you know if you are new, no matter if you're watching in Greenwood or Charleston or wherever you're watching tonight, that this part is fine. Like me talking is fine. It's a fine part of Fuse. The best part about Fuse is, is relationships and getting into a group with some friends and a leader. And so please make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, at the end of the summer, we're doing something brand new called The Weekend that we're stoked about. Hopefully, you've heard about it on your campus. It's going to be incredible. We're finalizing some plans for it now, and it's going to be very silly and very fun, and uh, I think God's going to do some things that um, we've been waiting on Him to do for a long time, so I'm really excited about it. Hey, let me pray. Yeah? Let's pray. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we need your help tonight. Because what we're not trying to do here is just pass on information. We are, we are really trying to understand the things that you want us to know so that we can steward your church the way that you want it to be stewarded. Not just right now in this moment, but in the years ahead and the generations ahead, when the people that are in this room that are in the, the eighth, ninth, 10th grade, when they are one day leading the church, God, would you right now give us the wisdom and the help, Holy Spirit, to understand what you want us to know about your church so we can steward it forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're in a, uh, a series on the church. We're talking about the value of the church. La if you missed last week, you can watch it. I think it's on YouTube or whatever. But I want you guys to look at this picture, all right? Put this picture on the screen. This is what basketball looked like when it first got started. Anybody know the name of the man that invented basketball? Naismith, you know that. Okay, so James Naismith, 1890s. He's a gym teacher in Canada. Okay? And he needs something for his students to do when it's freezing cold in the wintertime. So he takes a basket, he puts it on a stick, and he puts it in the air. All right? This is pretty awesome. I like this. I'm sort of inventive. If you ever work at like the YMCA and you're there all summer with kids and you have to come up with games, like you can understand how Naismith comes up with the game of basketball. Anybody want to take a guess what the score was to the first ever basketball game? It was one to zero. And do you know that it took 25 minutes for them to score the first basket? All right, it was embarrassing. How many of you have like watched a basketball game today? It's very different. Steph Curry has like 65 points a game. Teams are scoring like 150 points. It's very different, right? It's just, it's very different. But <clears throat> it's still the same game. Still sort of the same rules. Uh, it's changed a little bit. Sort of the same objective though, right? So you get the ball in the basket. And <clears throat> I use that illustration to talk about, to get us into, tonight we're gonna be talking about the difference in the church when it first got started and the way it is today. It's different in 2021 than it was in the year AD 33 or AD 64 when you know, Nero took over the Roman Empire. It's different, right? Things are different. We have lights, right? We travel in vehicles. Uh, this room that you're in on any campus tonight is climate controlled. Like there's culturally, there's differences in the way that the church was then, in the way that the church is now. But the reality is the objective is still the same. The first Christians, when the Holy Spirit came into the upper room in Acts chapter two and filled the believers, 
and they began uh, speaking in tongues and there were Jews from all over the world hearing the gospel preached in their language. From that day forward, the, the objective of the church has always been the same, to make disciples of all nations, to teach believers in Jesus how to follow him, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach us all that we all together as believers in Christ would be learning how to grow in the ways of Jesus. So I wanna read to you the story of the first church and what the culture was. Not last week, we're not covering how it got started. I wanna read to you the first story about the church and the culture that it was on day one, all right? So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter two. We're gonna read verses 42 through 47. This was the culture of the first church, okay? Are you ready? And now we're gonna talk about, I'm gonna read this and then we're gonna talk about seven differences in the church then and today in ways we need to get back to the culture of the first church, okay? Acts chapter two, verse 42. They, this is the, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to breaking bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Everybody who believed was together and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And check this out. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the description we have in five verses of what it was like, right? So instead of what it would have been like to see that black and white picture of the first basketball game, imagine you're getting a snapshot here into the first few days as Christians inside the first few days of the first church. And we see a picture here of what it was like, and it was, it was pretty awesome. So let's write this down. There's seven things, seven things that I have tonight um, that the early church was about that we would do well to return to in our day and age culturally, okay? Write this down. Number one, the early church was focused on learning together and worshiping together and spending time together. Now, it's very different in 2021 to show up to whatever building you're in and have lights and smoke and microphones and, you know, whatever, sound machines and all sort of stuff. Yeah, it's very different than it was the way they did it there. But you know what we do? We spend time together. We, we focus on teaching and learning the word together and worship together. In a lot of ways, what we're trying to accomplish is the same thing that the first disciples, that the first church were trying to accomplish. That means in a really cool way, okay, so you gotta hear me on this and trust me on this, they would spend their time breaking bread together. It, it, was, it was as important for them to get with other believers and break bread as it was for them to do anything else. So that means there's something holy about you and your fuse group hanging out at Waffle House. Like, truthfully, there's something, there's something very special. There's something spiritual that happens when you're with other believers and you're there just being, you know, a goober until your waitress kicks you out because you've been there forever. Like, it's, it's special. That's what early Christians did. They just spent their time together. Like, They encourage each other, they hung out together. So don't neglect those things, right? Like if you and your group used to hang out at Waffle House all the time and COVID took that away from you, like get back to Waffle House, there's something holy there. Okay, number two, there's a lot holy at Waffle House. I don't care if you're too good for Waffle House, we got nothing in common and I don't wanna hear about it. So yeah, we need to, you know what? I'm changing the whole message. We're talking about Waffle House for the next, no, I'm kidding, but it is so good, man. Okay, number two, the early church was generous, not greedy. 
This is one of the biggest differences that we gotta pay attention to to make sure we return to. Okay, those of you who are young Christians in here, we're working on it in my generation. I'm like just a, a a little bit older enough from you to let you know that like we're working on it. You got a chance. You gotta get back to being generous and not greedy. If you wanna know how greedy people are, just hit up the gas station after Fuse tonight. I pulled, I didn't know what was happening the other night. I pull in, I, my gas light comes on, I pull into the gas station and there's cars lined up everywhere. And I live in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, no one's ever at these gas stations. What is going on? And the guy beside me is like, there's cyber attack on the pipeline and it's going, you know, we got all get gas. And the guy beside me literally is in his 2,500 Silverado pickup truck. He's filling it up and he's got five gas cans in the back of his truck. And I'm like, are we gonna be out of gas for like a month? Like what is happening, you know? But we have this, this thing inside of all of us where we wanna hoard stuff, we wanna keep it. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And one of the things that's crazy about the first Christians is they were known across the, the Roman world as being generous. They sold their stuff to make sure that anybody that was in the family of God, that was in the church, that anybody who had need, that they were covered. Think about that. Think about how much has changed in 2,000 years, that you couldn't find somebody who needed something because everybody in the church took it upon themselves to make sure that everybody had what they need. They were generous, very generous. They were were culture-shifting generous. They were world-changing generous. They were collapsed the Roman Empire generous. We gotta get back to that. We're a little too greedy, me too. Number three, the early church was miraculous, not mundane. There were many signs and wonders being done all the time with this early church. Why? Because they had just seen Jesus live his life and do his thing. They didn't need many lessons on faith, right? They had just seen Jesus do all these miracles and they took it seriously when Jesus said, now I'm gonna give you guys the Holy Spirit and you're gonna have all the power to do all the things that you just saw me do. Now I want all of you to go and do it all over the world. So they weren't afraid to pray for people and see demons be released. They weren't afraid to pray and see healing happen. They weren't afraid to see the miracles happen all the time. That's why there were so many people that were going, oh my goodness, I guess this Jesus really is Lord because they were seeing power on display. The early church was the exact opposite of boring, all right? We gotta get back to that. For so many of us, uh, it seems like religion and church is just, it's nonsense, it doesn't mean anything because you've never seen the power of the Holy Spirit on display. You've never taken a step in faith and believed God for the impossible. We gotta get back to the early church's uh, miraculousness. Okay, here we go, number four. <clears throat> Moving quickly, hope you're writing fast. The early church grew like crazy. And I wanna park here for a second, I'll let you know this. <clears throat> the early church was like, have you, ever, um, have you ever like kicked the top off of an ant pile? And within seconds you're like having a mild panic attack because of how many ants there actually are in there and you're like, oh, this was fun until my foot's gone. It was like that in the early church. Like when you, if you like stomped one out, like this was, the, this was what the emperors, the Roman emperors wanted to do. They wanted to stomp out Christians. And it seemed like every time they stomped one out, there were 15 more that got created. Like they were, they were all over the place. It started with 120 of them in the upper room. And within a couple hundred years, the Roman empire, which had spanned the entire world at this point, was collapsing and was being converted to Christianity was becoming the known religion for all of Rome. That's how many Christians there were. Why did it grow like crazy? Because you understood if you were a Christian in the first century that it's your job to both practice the ways of Christ and to pass them along to your neighbors. There was, this, there was none of this like, oh yeah, let's go to Fuse tonight. Caleb's preaching, let's hear him preach. It was like, no, 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 let's go to lunch today because this person's preaching to me at lunch. 
Like it was everybody's ownership, everybody's responsibility. And unfortunately, one of the things that's happened over the last 2000 years is now you guys are convinced that I'm the only one that's supposed to know the gospel well enough to teach it to anybody. And so how, how can we do this? How can we go back to seeing multiple people converted? Because the reality is no pastor in America can have lunch with more than like seven or eight people a week. And that's if he's taken two people to lunch one of those days. Should have done my math before I used that example. But we're all eating and going, hanging out with people and playing Xbox and drinking coffee and doing all sorts of stuff with people all the time. It's all of our responsibility to see where's the Holy Spirit moving in somebody's heart and how can we help bring people to Jesus? All right, early church grew like crazy. <clears throat> oh, I'm going so fast. I'm out of shape. You guys ready for number five? Me too. I'm just stalling so I can catch my breath. The early church was bold in their faith. They were bold in their faith. <clears throat> you, could, you could see that because they always stood up for what was right. And here's another thing that was cool about them. Well, whenever they got an opportunity in a lot of places to confront people of power who were in the wrong for the things that they did, they took that opportunity. It got them in big trouble. They weren't afraid of saying the thing that needed to be said, even if it would have gotten them in trouble. But you know what else I love about them? You can see in Acts chapter five, them praying for what? For boldness. So they were bold in their faith, but they were also weak like us. They were also scared like chickens like us. And so they had to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, Father, will you make us bold? Will you help make me bold? Because I know that there's people in my life that need Jesus. I know that I'm not necessarily doing the things I need to be doing, but I want to, so will you help my weakness and help my, my, my fear? I want boldness. God, will you make me bold? It's so simple that here we are 2,000 years later and God would answer the same prayers if we would dare to pray them. He would answer in the same way. By what? by pouring his Holy Spirit out and making us incredibly courageous and effective in reaching the world with the good news of Jesus. Will you pray? Will you take a chance in the next week and pray for boldness and see what it does? All right, number six. The early church, you're not gonna like this one, was persecuted for their faith. <clears throat> that means that because they were Christians, they got treated like crap. Let me read, let me read a story to you. Uh, anybody... Has anybody in here done any research on the Roman Empire? Like you feel like pretty versed on it. Okay, if I say the name Nero, do you know who I'm talking about? Okay, Nero was crazy. Let me tell you this, let me tell you this crazy story. So uh, Nero became the emperor of Rome when he was 17 years old, all right? Which is a bad deal, all right? I, I'm, I'm still a young, youngish guy. And I feel like even right now at 30, if you were to put me in charge of pretty much anything more than just like my three children, I would be out of my league. All right, so imagine being responsible for the Roman Empire at 17 years old. All right, so listen to this. Nero had his mother stabbed to death, his wife beheaded. Then he took his wife's head, he put it on display in his house so his mistress could see it and be reminded that if you ever crossed him, he would do this to you too. Then she got pregnant and he kicked her to death. And then there was a great fire. And okay, so I'm talking about like a guy that is totally crazy. This is not like, oh man, these people back in the, old, back in the Bible, they were, they were a little bit different. No, this guy was insane, okay? So in 64 AD, there's this huge fire in Rome, all right? It destroys a lot of Rome. Guess what Nero does? Nero blames it on the Christians. 
He says, ah, oh, these Christians, I don't like them. They don't really respond to me as Lord. They keep saying Jesus is Lord and they keep having a problem with these things we're making them do and they won't get drunk and they won't have sex with everybody and they're really, they're really ticking me off. So let's blame them for the fire. So guess what? He blames Christians for this great fire that happens in Rome. So now he can start implementing policies to persecute them just because they follow Jesus. Every time they did the right thing, they basically got in trouble for it. Guess what? Can I give you a heads up? Probably gonna happen for you too. If we're doing our jobs correctly, if we are following Jesus seriously, there are going to be people that have a huge problem with it. So we, me and you, in the future, in the days ahead, it's not so bad now. I got a feeling it's gonna get a little tougher in the days ahead. We've gotta be the kind of people that are courageous enough to not bail on Jesus if it gets difficult. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little test to let you know if you're bailing on him or not. If you're like me, Here's how you can know. I used to pray this all the time. When I was in high school, I used to pray this all the time. God, I'll do anything, right? Like I'm falling in love with Jesus. He's, he's growing me. He's like, I'm, I'm just like, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll say anything. And then I would sit at the lunchroom and I couldn't even talk to anybody at my lunch table about it. If you're there, if your faith's there, if it's kind of there, just trust me. You're gonna need some help in the Holy Spirit before you get ready to face persecution, all right? It's all good. We're all weak, but let's start working toward there. All right, last point. Send the band up. Let's go. <clears throat> I got a couple minutes left. I'm gonna take my time on this last point. You're gonna like this one. You're gonna like this one because this is gonna be what Fuse looks like in the, next, in the coming years, all right? Number seven, the early church was filled with all kinds of people. All kinds of people. Do you know what the last 14 months, 15 months, when did COVID start? 1976, who knows? <clears throat> do you know what it's revealed to me as much as anything else? That people are really still quite uncomfortable with people that are not just like them. You love wearing masks? Run into somebody that doesn't love wearing a mask. You voted for this person? Run into somebody that voted for the other person. If we're not hanging out with people that are just like us, we have a really hard time getting along, Christian or not. We love our opinions. Everybody feels like they're allowed, they're entitled to their opinion and you can't tell me I'm wrong for anything. And that's fine, right? It's fine. I'm, I promise you I have as many opinions as anybody you've ever met in your life. And I'm wrong about most of them, but I don't care, they're mine. Do you know that the early church was filled with all kinds of people? Jews and Greeks, men and women, old people, young people. People from all over the world were coming to faith in Christ. So what happened? What was the responsibility of the maturing believers when all of these people from all over the Roman Empire are coming to faith in Christ? You know what they had to do? They had to get over themselves and they had to be fine being inconvenienced by all these new believers coming into their lives. Do you know what I'm praying for and asking God to do in me? To make me so okay by being inconvenienced with how many people are coming to Christ that you know what, it's changing my whole schedule up and it's really inconveniencing me and we had some great plans for Fuse and we gotta change them because there's so many young people that are just coming to Jesus and it's just crazy. There's gonna be all, in the days ahead, I'm telling you right now, if you're a Christian in here and you're about this, you're gonna have to be ready to be uncomfortable and inconvenient because there's about to be a whole lot of different kinds of people coming to faith in Christ in the next few years. It's, trust me. So you can have your rhythms, you can have your routines, you can sit with your little group and have your little thing and do your little thing. That's fine. But be ready because God is going to bring a harvest of new people into the family of God in the next few years and we've all together gotta be okay 
when people that don't look like us and talk like us and sound like us and like the songs that we like and sing the stuff that we do, when they start coming to faith in Christ, let me tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna celebrate and be all about it. The early church didn't care, man. They're like, oh, you think Jesus is Lord? You believe Jesus is Lord? You're about it? Let's go. Come sit at my dinner table. Come eat with me. I got you. Come on. Yo, you you don't have any money? Don't worry. I own a piece of property outside of town. I'll sell it. You can have the money. It'll be fine. Because if you get into the family of God, you don't have any need. We take care of each other. You know what the future looks like? It looks like a whole lot of the past. Like... 2,000 years ago passed. All right, stand up. I gotta pray for you. I'm out of time. Here's what we're gonna pray. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna pray. Some campuses are gonna sing. Some campuses are gonna go straight into groups. But here's what I'm hoping happens. Okay, one, I seriously, I'm gonna say this every time I get the opportunity to. I want everybody in here to go be a part of a Fuse group. There's too much science that says your faith in Christ will not grow if you're not talking about it with other people, right? So you need that. Number two, I hope everybody starts the conversation about how we're gonna be okay being uncomfortable as God brings growth into our family for the next couple of years, all right? What are some ways that we don't need to be getting so future-oriented, so progressive-minded that we forget that we're supposed to look sort of just like we did 2,000 years ago, all right? So let's pray. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. I wanna pray for all of us. Whether you pray a lot or you don't pray, whether you would identify as a Christian or you're not sure, why don't you write there? Why don't you just pray, ask God, God, is there anything you want me to take away from this? Is there, is there some, some wisdom that I needed to get from this? Is there, some, is there a nudge from the Holy Spirit in your gut about something you need to do? Is there somebody coming to your mind that you need to share the gospel with? Is there somebody that you need to invite to be a part of your group or you need to ask you know, it may be, seriously, it may be as simple as somebody that you know would go to the weekend if you'd ask them to, but they're gonna try to pretend like they're too cool for it. And you know it's because they're actually running from God. Father, we love you and we trust you and we're so thankful for the church. It's so different now than it was 2,000 years ago. And some of that's awesome and cool and, and some of it just stinks. And we wanna be generous and we wanna be welcoming to all people of all kinds God, we want, to be, we want to be so in love with you that we're not worried about if we get, you know, if we get persecuted for our faith or if it gets us in hot water. God, we, we, want to be, we want to be so ready to spend time with each other, to encourage one another, to make sure that nobody gets left. God, we love you. We bless you. Will you help us? Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you help us to be lovers of you, to be stewards of of your church in the way you want it to be stewarded. God, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.